name is Chris Bell, and I'm running for a seat on the Board of Directors of the American Council of the Blind. The reason I'm running is simple. I've been a member of ACB for over 40 years and have done a lot of advocacy work. And I want to make sure that the work that I have done and that others have done can continue after older members like myself are gone. And therefore, I have proposed that ACB create an academy to train younger members in the subject areas which are so critical for ACB to lead in the future. I ask for your vote. Thank you. My name is Jeff Bishop, and I live in Kirkland, Washington, with my wife, Carrie, and my son, David. We've done a lot in this organization, and our future is very bright. However, we have a number of significant challenges that we're going to need to undertake in this organization to achieve our three to five year strategic plan. Partnering together, we can greatly achieve success for everyone. I would appreciate your vote at this year's annual convention. Thank you. I am Donna Brown, and I am seeking a seat on the Board of Directors of the American Council of the Blind. I want to work to bridge the gap between the ACB national leadership and our state and special interest affiliates. Working to create a mentoring program to develop new leaders is important to me, as well as creating programs to introduce ACB to blind and visually impaired youth. I hope I can count on your vote in July. Hello, my name is Ray Campbell, and I'm seeking the office of Second Vice President of the American Council of the Blind. Together, we have embraced and met the unprecedented challenges of the past two years, and I look forward to serving you over the next two years as we move forward together. Hello, my name is Denise Colley, and I'm seeking my second term for the office of ACP Secretary. I currently serve as co-chair of the ACP Scholarship Committee, and I've also served as chair of the ACP Board of Publications and on the ACP Board of Directors. In these capacities, I've had the opportunity to oversee all the ways in which ACP communicates, both internally and externally. I believe that the ways in which ACP communicates with our members plays a crucial part in what keeps this vital organization going, and I want to work to ensure those lines of communication are stronger and more transparent. I would appreciate your vote. Thank you. Hi, I'm Zelda Gebhardt, a dedicated, hardworking volunteer with low vision. Roles as editor, vice president, and president of NDAB, and as director and first vice president of CCLVI has prepared me for leadership in ACB. Please vote for me to remain on the BOP. Hello, ACB. This is Deb Cook-Lewis. After serving you for five years on the Board of Publications, I am now hoping to serve you as your first vice president. No matter who you vote for, I hope you vote. And we'll see you at the convention. Hi, ACB. My name is Doug Powell, and I'm running for a second term on the Board of Directors. I promise to continue to model leadership qualities, mentor leadership in others, and advocate effectively at the national, state, and local levels. I'd very much appreciate your vote. 
Hi, I'm Penny Reader, and I'm popping in to ask you to vote for me. I am running for my second term on the Board of Publications. I think we've made some good progress in making ACB communications excellent in so many different ways because communications with ACB and the general public as well are very important. Please vote for me for the Board of Publications. I'm looking forward to serving you again. Thank you. Hey, Mark Reichert here, First Vice President of ACB, so of course I'd love your vote this summer. But the most important thing is that you do it, because it's only when you vote that ACB wins. So come on, baby, vote. Come to convention. Vote. You can do it. Hello, I'm Kenneth Simeon Sr., immediate past president of ACB of Texas. I am seeking a position on the ACB Board of Directors this year. I care about ACB, our membership, and the future of ACB. If elected, I will be sure to work with other ACB leaders to ensure that we continue to move forward. I would really appreciate your vote. Always remember, together we win. Hi, I'm Connie Sims from South Dakota. I am president of the STAB Association. I am a J.P. Morgan Chase recipient in 2020. I am running for a board position. I believe that equity, diversity, and inclusion, that is really huge I have been on the voting task force. I am from a rural state. Everything that we do in the rural is totally different than the city or the metropolitan areas. I have low vision. We're a very diverse group. We use our tools differently. Hi, I'm Connie Sims. Hello, my name is Dan Spoon, and I live in Orlando, Florida with my lovely wife, Leslie. And we have been honored to be the president of the American Council of the Blind for the last two years under really unprecedented circumstances. And we look forward to continuing the momentum and moving forward over the next two years. Thank you for your support. And I would look forward to your vote in the upcoming election. Together, we can continue to grow our ACB family. Thank you. Hello to my ACB family. This is David Trot Treasurer. I am asking your support for my re-election. Please put me on the team that's working for a brighter future for ACB. I look forward to meeting you all at the Candidates Forum. Friendly, fair, foraging. Everyone has a story to tell. It's the very reason why we rise each day ready to face the next day's challenge that comes. Whether advocating, striving to advance disability rights, or finding new ways to forge forward in the ever-growing communities that we live in. I am Cache Wells, and these are the reasons why I pursue a seat on the Board of Publications, where my passion and purpose is to engage, educate, and empower others to get involved with ACB. The following programming has been made possible in part by the generous support of BITS, Blind Information Technology Specialists. In affiliate of the American Council of the Blind, BITS provides career development for computer professionals. For over 50 years, BITS has been on the forefront of industry, promoting and advocating on information access and technology that improves the quality of life for people who are blind and visually impaired. Learn more about BITS programs and how to become a member by visiting their website at www.bits-acb.org. Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Good evening. My name is Katie Frederick. 
I am a member of ACB's Board of Directors, and I would like to welcome everyone listening here on Zoom, as well as on ACB Radio and via YouTube to our second night of the Board of Publications Candidate Forum. Last night, we heard from a lot of wonderful individuals who are seeking positions within our organization. And tonight we are going to hear from some more fine individuals who are seeking positions. So this evening we will hear from Chris Bell, Ray Campbell, Denise Colley, Doug Cook-Lewis, Doug Powell, Penny Reeder, Mark Reichert, and Cache Wells. But before we get into the questions, we have some prepared questions that we're going to ask the candidates tonight. And then following that, we will turn the program over to audience questions and participation. Um, but before we do that, I want to introduce my co-moderator for the evening, Ron Brooks. Welcome, Ron. Oh, thank you, Katie. Good evening, everybody. And thank you for joining us, whether you joined uh, via Zoom or via YouTube or through your Amazon smart speaker. We are so glad that you are here. And uh, this is going to be a lot of fun. So uh, our job is to uh, present these candidates and to give them an opportunity to present themselves to you. Uh, and to share some of their vision and passion and ideas for the ACB. And we want to encourage all of you to be thinking as you're listening about questions that you might have. And let's have a little bit of fun. So I get the honor of asking the first question. So I'm going to do that. And the way it's going to work is, is questions uh, are going to be, we, we've got a few prepared and they are directed to certain people who are running for certain offices. So uh, some of the questions are specifically for people running uh, for officer or director positions. Uh, some questions are for people on the BOP uh, and some, and we have one question that is going to be a head to head competition question between two people who are running for the same office. So that should be fun as well. Who so, could that possibly be, Ron? Who could that be? <laughs> so when we ask the question, we will say who it's for. So the first test of our candidates will be their ability to listen and follow instructions. So we'll ask the question. We'll tell you how long you've got to answer it. And then we will go from there. And whoever is asking the questions is not the one doing the timer. So you will hear my voice or Katie's voice. Uh, on both questions. And we will give you, uh, uh, for example, if I ask a question, Katie will be uh, helping with timekeeping and she'll give you a 30 second warning. And unlike the uh, presidential debates, we actually do enforce the time uh, and we ask you to respect that as well. So let's dive in. So the first question is for everybody running for officer, director, and BOP candidates. So this is for all of you. Please take a minute to introduce yourself and explain what prompted you to run for a position on either the board or BOP. How will you use your position um, and the reasons that you ran for it um, to serve as a leader of ACB and to strengthen the organization from your position within the leadership? 
You've got two minutes to answer the question, and we will just go ahead and go in uh, the order that we introduced you. So again, say your name, your position, and what you're running. So we will start with Chris Bell. Good evening, ACB. My name is Chris Bell. I'm running for a seat on the board of directors of ACB. I've been a member of ACB for oh, probably 40 years, and most of my work has been in advocacy as a disability rights lawyer. Um, one of the things I'm most interested in doing as a member of the board, if I should be elected, is to help us capture the knowledge and experience and expertise of many members of ACB that we have now that uh, are of, uh, let's say, uh, uh, increasing age. Uh, and so we have a lot of people that know a lot of stuff, but in 10 or 15 years, maybe we're not all going to be volunteering and doing all the things we've been doing. So I'm interested in finding a mechanism so that we uh, who are older can create a legacy for the leaders and the generations that follow us. And, and that's one of my missions. The other is that I'm a person with multiple disabilities. Um, I have a, a learning disability that affects all of my spatial orientation. I get lost in my own house. I have a chronic depression for which I uh, take medications. Uh, I'm a recovering alcoholic. So there are lots of facets of disability, and I think that's true for many of us. And unfortunately, but understandably, we operate in silos. So we're the American Council of the Blind, and, uh, and that's fine. And there's the Multiple Sclerosis Society, and that's fine. But I would like to see us be open and more out front about people who are blind and have other disabilities. Thanks very much. Thank you, and we will move now to Ray Campbell. Thank you, Ron. Thank you, uh, Board of Publications, for these forums. I look forward to the discussion this evening. My name is Ray Campbell, and I am running for the office of second vice president of the American Council of the Blind. This will be a second term in that office for me. And um, I, I ran a couple of years ago, and I'm running again because I want to see uh, ACB continue to grow and prosper uh, both in membership and uh, financially. Um, I, over the last year and a half, we have reached an awesome number of new people. Uh, have learned about ACB and uh, many of them have joined our organization. I think the challenge now is to figure out how we keep them, how we engage them, and how we get them a little bit more involved in uh, the, the workings of our organization. I, I also want to see us continue to strengthen our financial position as an organization. Uh, we've worked very, very hard to become, to get us to the financial place where, heck, we've hired three or four staff people over the last uh, year or so that we didn't have before. We really have a good, strong professional staff now in our Minneapolis and or in Brooklyn Center and uh, Alexandria offices. And uh, I want to see us continue to maintain that staff, maybe grow it in a few areas also. And that really is key because they can manage the day-to-day -day operations of our organization, allowing those of us in leadership to craft policy and work on things to 
better the entire organization <clears throat> across the board. So I look forward to uh, the discussion tonight, and I sure appreciate your vote. Thank you very much. Thank you. And now we will hear from Denise Colley. Thank you, Ron, and thank you, uh, ACB Board of Publications. My name is Denise Colley, and I am running for my second term as your ACB secretary. I am all about communication in all of its various forms. And so as secretary, that is a key element of my responsibilities to the organization. I believe that we as an organization need to have open communication. We need to be uh, transparent. We need to always let the membership know what is happening. And that was the reason I ran for the position to begin with, uh, to be given the opportunity to keep the notes of board meetings, to keep the history of ACB board uh, meetings, to uh, keep other records as are required of me in my position. I am um, also uh, very much into wanting to work with, especially our special interest affiliates. I have felt for some time that our special interest affiliates feel somewhat disenfranchised and feel like they are sort of uh, second to our state affiliates. And I don't for one minute believe that that's true. I think that um, as we bring more and more people into this organization, especially um, the numbers of people that are coming in as a result of our community meetings, that we have the opportunity to really reach them and that being able to reach them may depend more on getting them involved in a special interest affiliate that is really of interest to them. And so I wanna be a part of that. I'm also running for my second term because I've been very excited to see what ACB has been able to do the last two years in terms of additional staff, in terms of increases in our finances, in terms of how we've really grabbed hold of technology and I'm virtual elements. All right, thank you. And now we will move to uh, Deb Cook-Lewis. Deb. Thank you so much. Um, I am Deb Cook-Lewis. I live in Clarkston, Washington. I am a member of the Washington Council of the Blind and Guide Dog Users. Uh, I've been a member for a very long time. I am running for first vice president. Um, I currently serve as chair of the Board of Publications, and that has been a very um, honor, great honor to serve uh, with all the people that I have served with and in that capacity. Um, I think the thing that the couple of things that are important to me right now, um, I'm I'm very concerned that as an organization we need to work smarter, not harder. We cannot work much harder than we do. Um, you know, I hope that you all appreciate the effort that will be going into and has been going into the uh, upcoming convention, um, all the effort that we've done with various activities during the pandemic, and that has been a, a Herculean effort of staff and um, um, and consumers working together. But some of the things we do are just not efficient, and we could do so much more if we were able to work a little smarter. So uh, Jeff talked a little bit on the panel last night about infrastructure development and some of the those things. And those are also areas that I am particularly concerned with. The other thing that I do um, really agree with is uh, Denise's comments about affiliates. I had the pleasure this last year of uh, 
of helping uh, 10 or so um, state affiliates help have their uh, virtual state conventions. And I just really, really enjoyed, thank you, getting in. Uh, getting in touch with and getting to know our affiliates better. I'd always wanted to uh, visit all the affiliates and I got to. So um, I'm, I'm really eager to serve you and I would like to be elected your next first vice president. Thank you. And now we will leap across the country to Doug Powell. Doug? Thanks, Ron. Hi. Uh, hello, ACB. My name is Doug Powell. I'm from Falls Church, Virginia. And uh, I'm running for my second term on the ACB Board of Directors. Um, I have loved, uh, working with the board this, uh, last four years now. Um, and I, uh, I love to ask questions and some people think I'm a pain in the butt because I ask so many questions, but I think they've learned to respect the questions that I ask. Uh, one is how can we do this better or different? And, um, I think we've, uh, you know, we've been very flexible over the last couple of years in uh, looking at new environments and trying to uh, make progress in those environments. And uh, we've also, I I also like to ask the question, um, is this the best way of doing things? Um, Sometimes we have ideas and we need to bat them around and we need to get real sometimes. So I feel like uh, I do, I both have creative and also um, cautionary questions that I, I, uh, add to the uh, discussions that we have as a board. Um, I also have loved being on uh, four or five steering committees. Um, I think that it was a great idea to, to institute those. And it has uh, committee chairs working together in, uh, in, in their uh, area of uh, program. And um, I think it works very, very well. And I would like to continue that. Seconds. I'd also like to add the uh, special interest affiliates who uh, are also involved, excuse me, in our program areas in the discussions, because I think uh, they would benefit from from the discussions and we would benefit from their input. So those are just a couple of things that I really enjoyed working on and would like to continue to do it. So I'd appreciate your vote. Thank you. And now, Penny Reader. Hey, Ron, and hello, ACB. My name is Penny Reader. I live in a suburb of Washington, D.C. I've been a member of ACB since the mid-90s. I have been a staff member. I have been an affiliate president. I'm a member of four special interest affiliates and two state affiliates, Maryland and D.C. Um, and I joined the, or I ran for the BOP because Paul Edwards had been asking me to run for several years and he finally broke me down. Uh, but I'm glad I uh, did what he asked me to do because I really enjoyed my first term. And I hope you elect me again, too, so I can keep working on what we're working on. Uh, as Denise said, for me, it's all about communications. Um, our, our communications have expanded so much. In the beginning, we were only the Braille Forum. And now we have ACB Radio and we have a blog and we have community calls and we have so much going on. And uh, so many ways for people who are blind to tell their stories. And I'm all about helping people do that. And um, we have so much to tell about ourselves so that when other people hear about blindness, they think about the ACB and not just other organizations that we could we could mention. Um, our advocacy won't succeed if people don't know who we are and what we're doing. And we're all about advocacy. We're all about making life better for everybody who's blind. And, uh, and we're all about supporting one another. So that's why I'm a member of the BOP. 
in the last year, I have been the person who summarized the board meetings for you in the pages of the Braille Forum. 30 seconds. And I uh, worked with Katie on the Public Affairs Committee, and I really enjoyed that. And uh, we still have a lot to do. And so I hope you will support me uh, in my uh, endeavor to serve again. And thank you so much for uh, allowing me to participate tonight. Bye. And now, Mark Richard. Mark Riker. Hi there. Sorry. <laughs> <Riker>. <laughs> but, but, but you made me smile, so you get lots of points, Ron. So Mark Reichert here, first vice president of ACB. And uh, wow, too many people to thank for tonight. Thanks, everybody. Um, let's see. A little more than two years ago, as I was coming off of a stint as your uh, resolutions committee chair for seven years and far too many years before then on the resolutions committee. I'm not sure I want to admit how many years I was on the resolutions committee before then. Uh, some senior leaders in the organization said, what do you, what do you want to do? Uh, you know, look, obviously you, you know, you care about us, uh, you know, gosh, we don't want to lose you. What do you want to do? And my response was uh, whatever needs to get done. And uh, <clears throat> that was uh, that was that was kind of a blank check. Uh, I'm not sure that uh, any of us knew what was going to happen thereafter. And I'll just fast forward. And uh, the membership uh, two years ago honored me more than I can say uh, by putting me in this current seat. And it goes without saying that I would love to have your vote this time. Who wouldn't? Uh, who wouldn't want to have the vote of the membership of? arguably the best organization of women and men who are blind or visually impaired in the world. Um, so, I mean, what's important to me? Uh, gosh, lots of things. We're going to talk about more of them, I guess, tonight. You know, one of the things I guess that I want to say that I want to say for sure is it's for me all about team. It's not about me. It's not about individual stuff that I think I want to do. It's really all about what I think all of us can do together and if I have anything to contribute, I want it to be part of that larger team effort. And I hope we can talk more about that tonight. Thanks. Thank you. And last but not least, Cache Wells. Cache? Hi. Thank you all so much. I am Cache Wells from Jacksonville, Florida. I thank you all for allowing me this opportunity. Um, I've given back and volunteered over the last 30 years. I've uh, my passion and compassion to get involved and to give back to my community has allowed me to work with many organizations over those 30 years with youth and adults and giving back as far as life skills and um, just being able to partner with the community to bring about change. I decided to run for a seat for the Board of Publications because I wanted to see change in the voice of that the Braille Forum and the programming um, that is offered through ACB. What I bring to the table is not just a youthfulness, but I also bring my energy, my effectiveness, and my ability to just be a listener. Communication is a big thing, but coming to the table requires dialogue, dialogue that brings about change. And I bring to the table the interest and the heart and the passion to be able to uh, get feedback from our members to make sure that their interests and perspectives are being he uh, being heard. And I want to say that uh, creating 
the space to bring about new solutions, to bring about change, to force this uh, organization uh, into the next few generations is my goal. And in the words of Helen Keller, alone we can do so little, but together we can do so much. And that is my goal, that every day that we take the opportunity to be able to listen, to get feedback, to come up with strategic, intentional plan of action that we can all be better. And I, again, seek a seat on the Board of Publications, and I would love for you to vote for me. Thank you so much. Thank you. And I'm going to turn it over to Katie, who will ask the next question. Katie? Thank you, Ron. So this next question is for those of you who are running for officers of ACB and board of director positions within ACB. We have, I don't think there's any question that we've all been through a lot with with COVID-19, but from an ACB perspective, take a couple minutes and share one thing that you think ACB did well or one thing that ACB could have improved on in the past year and a half, but, and also share how we can leverage this experience to build a stronger and more resilient organization for the future. And we will give you two minutes for this question as well. And since we started with the beginning of the alphabet last time, why don't we start um, toward the end. So let's call on Mr. Reichert. How did I know that was going to happen? Let's see. <laughs> the things that we did really well, I mean, there's a bunch. My favorite uh, by far is all of the involvement of folks uh, who are, you know, otherwise would not have been connected with us. I mean, look, there, it, it would be obscene to talk about COVID having something like a silver lining, right? We don't want to talk like that. But given that it kind of lit a fire under all of us, now we've been uh, encouraged to reach out. It has, it's well beyond doing our conventions virtually. It has everything in the world to do with the community uh, outreach that we've done and involving folks directly uh, in that effort. So amen to that. Something that maybe we could do better. I, you know, I... There's so many things to celebrate. It's, I'm kind of struggling with this one. I think maybe one of them, certainly from a board perspective, and I'll just speak for myself, right? Pointing all the fingers back at, at me. Uh, I, I think I, we could do a lot better board as, uh, better as board members, uh, playing that liaison role to our state and special interest affiliates. And we've talked a little bit about this in other forums. So maybe we can talk about it a little bit later on too. But I think, you know, intentionally building those connections as folk who serve at in, in this particular context on the board to actively be encouraging those uh, affiliates, uh, carrying those messages forward uh, to the board and uh, institutionalizing is a crummy word. Uh, there's seconds. probably several, there's probably better ones out there, but lifting up those affiliates in much more of an intentional sort of way uh, at the board level, I think makes a lot of sense. And I know we can do better there. Thanks. Thank you, Doug Powell. Thanks, Katie. Um, obviously, the co community calls is something that that uh, Cindy really did right, um, and I'm not going to dwell on that because everybody is going to probably mention that. Another thing that I thought was pretty uh, wonderful was the way that uh, the steering committee for advocacy 
um, formatted and and kind of ran the um, the leadership conference last February, what we used to call the mid mid year meetings, and uh, I had the opportunity to to moderate one of the sessions, and like um, like Dan Spoon did with his fireside chat, I also tried to reach out to other organizations like uh, the National Council for State Agencies for the Blind and um, the uh, independent, the uh, National uh, Independent Living Centers uh, organization and the Vision Serve Alliance. And so I had as panelists the uh, heads of those organizations to try to find out the perspectives other than our own for moving forward. And I think that's important. So, and that's what I think Dan was doing with the fireside chat. So I, I really think that's a great movement in, for our organization. The other thing that I think is a big plus is that uh, in a lot of cases, um, the uh, COVID uh, uh, brought up the uh, subject of absentee ballot uh, for voting. And um, I worked at the state level uh, with uh, our NFB uh, uh, affiliate uh, in Virginia. And we uh, went to uh, litigation to uh, get at least thirty some, seconds, uh, at least some um, changes for absentee balloting, so that we can now receive a, an electronic ballot. We're still working on the sending it back electronically, but at least we got the, it coming to us electronically and and got us on the on the board. So I, I think those are two things that are, are really. Um, have really made uh, big changes because of the COVID um, opportunity that we got. Thanks. Thank you. Deb Cook-Lewis. All right. Well, uh, everyone has mentioned the concept of community. And I, I think about, sure, the community calls, but I really think about the large sense of community. And again, I hearken back to helping um, state affiliates have their virtual conventions. And that was something that um, we've helped a few stream them, but we've never really gotten in and really, really helped them have them. And I thought it was a good thing for the national organization to be reaching out and doing because it helped give our affiliates some hope and some connectivity. And I think that was really, really good. So I think the whole thing we did, um, uh, the, people have already mentioned the, the uh, leadership conference and how spectacular it is. We've talked about the convention and we're about to do it again next year. We're going to try to do it hybrid in some way. And those are all things that where we've actually seized the opportunity of COVID. Um, one of the places where I think that we um, still need to work as an organization is in terms of understanding um, the relationship up and down in our organization. Um, we have lots of people in our chapters um, or our state affiliates who still don't understand that they're part of the national organization, then that it's there for them. And I know sometimes some people say they're not sure the national organization understands about the affiliates and the and their chapters. And I believe that's probably true too. So I, I would like to see us all um, work better together to have a, a sort of a process seconds. of branding and working together up and down uh, the food chain so that we have the uniqueness of our affiliates and our chapters, but we really have an understanding that we are part of one national organization with many parts. Great. Thank you. Denise Colley. Well, most definitely, uh, as everybody else has said, I have to say the community calls were uh, 
have become a force to be reckoned with. Um, it was an idea that caught on and grew and grew and grew because we were forced into having to find a way to keep us together and to keep us united. And it's just been very exciting to see how that's grown, how we have been able to bring more people into the organization who knew nothing about us prior. And it's given us the opportunity to see how we can continue with those opportunities. And we can continue with using those opportunities as a means for socialization, as a means for education, as a means for uh, training opportunities. I, I think that, that we've just really seen how that has just been uh, a real boon to ACD. I would say the second thing for me is we were forced into making a decision about last year's convention and do, you know, what do we do? We can't meet face to face. And do we want to take that step to meet virtually? And what all is that going to entail? And, and the convention committee had already gotten started working on their various program ideas. And so once we decided to go virtual, they had to come back and take a look at their programs to determine how many of those uh, sessions were going to fit into a virtual convention. 30 seconds. And we had about, uh, we had about three months to put it together and we were able to do it. And that was just absolutely amazing. And, then, and I would have to agree with Deb on the thing that I think is the most problematic right now. And that is the connection of um, helping those on the bottom rung to feel more connected with the national organization. And I would very much like to see us work closer together on those activities. Thank you. Ray Campbell. <clears throat> Thank you, Katie. Um, I, I'm going to just say one thing about the community. You know, it goes without saying that's probably the biggest thing that we did. I don't think we'll ever really know the value of the community, that what it did to prevent people from being isolated. I would say we'll never know this, but I would say we saved some lives. I really believe that. Um, I want to focus on the convention, though. <clears throat> I really felt like we did that well. When we stood up as a board on March 30th of 2020, and uh, and uh, uh, said we were going to have to have a virtual convention and devoted unanimously to do that. I walked away from that meeting thinking, oh, we'll have a few events, maybe a few general sessions. You know, it's not going to be much. 108 breakout sessions, general sessions, video, guests from all over the world. It, it was just something that really not only made ACB, uh, made ACB and the blindness community proud, I believe, but it also set the stage for the future. There's no way we can ever go back to having the strictly in-person convention where people that can't come won't be able to participate. I truly believe that. And uh, I, having said that the convention, and what I think was so great about the convention is so many people came together to make it happen. We have a ton of talent in ACB. 30 seconds. If we hadn't done something like that, we may not have known about. I wish, however, we could have found a way to vote and do our business last year. And we're going to do that this year. And I think that's really going to show us a lot, too. So thanks a lot. Thank you so much, Ray. And Chris Bell. Good evening. Thanks for the question, Katie. So what COVID forced us to do was to really open up as an organization rather than 
hunger death. And that's all about the community calls, which we've talked about, um, but in a lot of other ways for our conventions, and the virtual uh, convention and the virtual leadership. It just made it possible not only for our own members, but for blind people all over the United States to come and learn and see what we're about. And one of the things that I really believe in is that we are stronger when we work together and work together as blind people and visually impaired folks, but also with other organizations of people with other disabilities. You know, I worked on the Americans with Disabilities Act. I was one of the disabled uh, attorneys that wrote the law. And when I was at ACB of Minnesota, I was the first blind person to co-chair Minnesota Consortium for Citizens with Disabilities, which was a statewide disability-wide organization. And, you know, we all benefit when we all succeed together. So I'm a big believer in working together. Um, And uh, I'm also a big believer in advocacy. We had a great victory in in North Carolina where I'm president uh, for voting rights to get electronic receipt and return of accessible ballots. And we will continue on in, in that advocacy. Thanks very much. Great. Thank you so much, everyone, for those great answers. Um, Ron, I will turn it back over to you for the next question. All right. So this is the uh, point in our debate. I'm sorry, in our candidates forum when we shift to candidate smackdown. Just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm getting a little distracted here. All right. Let me just, this question is actually for the only, I think this is currently, this is the contested election. This is between Mark Reichert's. (laughs) Sorry for promoting you to that French name Uh, and Deb Cook Lewis, and you are both running for first vice president. So we cooked up a special question just for the two of you. Um, So it's kind of long, so I'm going to just read through it and I'm happy to repeat if I need to. Uh, Deb and Mark, you're each competing for the position of first vice president. Um, In your, Deb, in your candidate statement, you cited the challenge of utilizing our staff and volunteer resources effectively and modernizing our infrastructure. And Mark, you talked about the need to uh, implement our programs and services in such a way that engages all our members and in service of our values of diversity and inclusion. So we thought about those and we'd like to hear each of you uh, respond to this consolidated statement about the challenges facing the ACB. So here's the question. In your role as first vice president, how would you go about the effort uh, of modernizing our infrastructure and harnessing the power of all our members, volunteers, um, and staff in service of the ACB's mission and goals? You each have two minutes to answer that question. And since he's the incumbent, we'll start with Mark. Oh, my gosh. <clears throat> Who knew that incumbency had its privileges? Uh, <laughs> I think the way you styled this at the beginning is that this would be a head-to-head. And I uh, thank you for this question. Good for you. Um, I think this is more of a heart-to-heart question. 
Um, so I think that in terms of modernizing infrastructure, we've sort of touched on it a little, but it's it, it's not infrastructure isn't about technology itself. It's about people. Uh, ACB has always been about people, and that's what we need to stay focused on. And I do think that up and down the line, if we're going to talk about going to the next level, however one defines that, it's going to be about involving more folks. And we've already started doing that. Uh, you know, <laughs> I was kind of reflecting as people were talking about the community calls and other things. It's really interesting. I, I don't think any other organization in the blindness system other than ACB could have implemented something like the community calls that lift up people who no one has ever heard of, thought about, or frankly, even care about that much. And that's really what ACB is about. <clears throat> so, you know, I don't want to say more about that because I uh, think that it's really about involving people. It's not about gizmos and those other things. Uh, Deb will uh, uh, probably uh, implement that a bit more than me. On the, the side that I wrote about, you know, I do feel pretty strongly that it's important that all of us at whatever level we're at in the organization, that all of us can, it's not about parroting back a bunch of slogans, 30 seconds. But, I, but I do think that we need to be sharing a bit more of a vision, an articulable vision for what it is we all stand for. And I think we can do a lot better job of describing what that is and bringing people on board with uh, what that's all about and getting all of us to sort of march in that single direction together. Uh, so I'd love to talk more about that as the night goes on. Thanks. So I, I do actually like the things that, that Mark said, and so it doesn't make it much of a debate, but he is right that I come from a little bit different perspective with it. And I, too, really, you know, get tired of just hearing all the cliches and buzz terms about how we need to involve everybody, we need to like everybody. I mean, okay, yeah, we do, but how are we going to actually do it? So um, so one of the things that I mentioned earlier was that uh, that we you know, need to work smarter, not necessarily harder. And as we talk about growing our organization, organization and growing new leaders, we need to really think about the roles. Um, we've increased our staff, we've increased our resources, we've increased our commitment to the world. Um, and so how do we actually do this? If we're going to recruit um, next gen people and, and whatever to, our, to be our future board members, we've got to recreate the way we do some of that business because some of us are working full time for the organization and we love it. But that's not something you can do when you have a family and a job and all that. So how are we going to do some of those things differently? Um, I think also we've really modeled with, um, with the community calls and with some other activities that we've undertaken during the pandemic, the fact that we can really engage members by giving them something to do. And, you know, it's one thing to come to some meetings and do things, but I've always believed in the affiliate that if you want to engage someone, um, you give them even a small task, you know, could you just be on the calling committee or something? So I think it's really about figuring out what our actual needs are, figuring out the best ways to do it, really defining the roles of our board and our staff and our committees and um, and trying to create a, a better infrastructure. And we could throw in old technology too. That would make me happy. But really, um, I think the real thing is really looking at um, more than just our five-year strategic plan, but how do we really, really engage people in that process as we move forward? So one of the things we talked about as moderators <clears throat> Um, for this debate or this uh, forum, I don't know why I keep <laughs> saying debate. Um, 
is the is the ability to ask a follow-up. Oh, you're so looking for ask, a mud wrestling match. I'm gonna Come ask on. each Come of you. On. I'm <laughs> gonna ask you guys a follow-up. And you can take, oh, take 30 are. seconds to a minute to, to answer. It's pretty straightforward. Yeah. Um, do you think that uh, you know if if you could could make one kind of enhancement to what we currently do? Um, because you talked about a lot about what we have done and mm-hmm. and kind of tweaking that a little. But if there is one thing that we could currently that we're not currently doing that we could do to increase engagement with our members um, and to be you know, in, in a way that's efficient and, and really works smart, as Deb talks about, what would that one thing look like? And I'll start with Deb this time. I would really focus on our communication processes. And we have been focusing a lot on that. And we have brought Jennifer Flat on board and we've done some other things. But really, that is the area where I think we need to be um, much more strategic. Um, things get communicated over and over and over and over and, and they still are missed. And we have such a hodgepodge of communication because we're tr- really trying to um, accommodate everyone. And we should. But how can we be more strategic? more organized and really make our communication um, meaningful so that when people get something, they just operate with it right out of the box. Thanks, Mark. So some of you know that I am divorced. And as part of the process of getting to that point, my dear sweet ex and I went to a couples counselor. And of course, you heard all the cliches there about communication. You know, you guys need to communicate better. Let me tell you something. You can have the crystal clearest communication in the world and still not agree on values and where you're going, your future direction, and all the rest of it. I think the biggest thing that we can do is to, across the board, up, down, top, down, bottom, up, sideways, Mm -hmm. be thinking about what those values are, intentionally engaging everyone at every level about that. And having a sort of unified vision, if you ask 10 ACB folks today what ACB is about and what we should do, you're likely to get 11 or 12 answers. (laughs) Maybe that's fine, and maybe that's a lovely reflection of a democracy, but it's not a great way to move forward as an organization. I think there might be two or three things, and frankly, we've talked about those, and I think there's a lot of hope for kind of unifying around certain messages here. Okay, and now I return you to your normally scheduled programming. <laughs> Katie, you have the next question. We can get out of the mud, Deb. Hey, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we made it. Great job, great job. I, I didn't see too much mud throwing, but then, you know, my, my vision isn't that great these days. So what can I say? <laughs> <laughs> um, so our next question that we have is for those of you who are running for the Board of Publications position. So tonight on the call with us, or on the forum, excuse me, we have Penny Reader and Cache Wells. So this question is for you, ladies. So over the past several years, the Board of Publications, along with ACB staff, the Braille editor and others, have really worked to strengthen the quality and variety of communication and content that have that has been in the in the publications in the forum and the the e-forum and other content channels. But we'd like you to take a couple of minutes and share what you think should come next. How can we can, how can ACB continue to improve the quality of its publications and what can you do to help make this needed improvement a reality? And you each have two minutes to answer this question. And let's start with 
cachet, please. Thank you so much. Um, the BLP has done such a wonderful job uh, to this point, but with increasing times and the growing environment that we are in, um, to be able to continue to uh, forge forward in the uh, direction that they want to go in, I would suggest that we continue to be able to get feedback from the uh, state affiliates and the special interest affiliates, and also find a way to create a, a liaison position that is uh, effective and relevant, that is working, that can partner to be able to bridge those gaps that keep members from being disconnected from um, the national level. And I gave my experience uh, when I got involved with the local chapter. I never really knew anything about the national. It wasn't important. It wasn't important by the people that were in place. And so I had to go out and do my own research. And so I would suggest for the BOP that they would continue to forge forward by creating avenues where open spaces where they can um, partner to create new uh, workshops, trainings, mentoring programs, even uh, looking at expanding the interests of the articles and programming that it reflects every person of this organization. Thank you so much. Great. Thank you. Penny, reader, Thank you. you have thanks. two minutes. Okay. Thanks, Katie. And thanks, Cache. Um, you know, I think the Braille Forum, uh, the, the Board of Publications, in its relationship with the Braille Forum is doing a really good job. Um, I think it is improving month by month, and I think you can see that improvement. I think the uh, decision the BOP made a few years ago to designate themes for various issues has really encouraged people who are interested in those various themes to write for the Braille Forum. And so we've expanded our authors and we've expanded our diversity of content and that really appeals to lots of members. And that's a way to make the communication stronger for everybody. The more people we can help write their stories and the more people we can help um, extol the virtues of whatever they're passionate about, uh, the better our communications are going to be. We also, in the last year, have created um, a series of quarterly meetings for editors of affiliate publications. And that's really going to go a long way, too, uh, for um, making those publications better. And people who read those publications are going to want to know more about the national organization as well. And we also have a list now, like uh, an email discussion list for all the editors and communicators from the various affiliates. And that in that list is wonderful because they're advising one another and they're sharing content and sharing ideas about how to get people who say they're going to write for you to actually do it. Um, those things are hard. So I think we're doing a good job. And I think all the things that we're doing with the Braille Forum can be expanded to, um, to cover things like ACB Radio and the ACB Media website and the community calls. The more we can facilitate having people tell their own stories and sharing those stories with one another, the more we're going to know about one another and the stronger Hi. we're going to be as an organization. Thanks, Ron. So we've reached the point. Great. Yeah, we're we're out of questions. We are. So now we, we think get up to, more. You never know. It's true. Right. But but now <laughs> we we get to the real the real um, fun of the evening and we get to hear from our audience. Right. So I think we Natalie um, is our Zoom host. And thank you, Natalie, for doing that.
Terry Pacheco. Good evening. My question is particularly to Mark and uh, Deb and possibly Ray as second vice president. I'd like to know, we've talked a lot about what we have accomplished and where we've been. What I'd like to know is where do you see us going, particularly as far as advocacy that's not being pushed forward right now that maybe we would be great for us to be doing like more on uh, the, like the floating bus stops, those types of things that we are not pushing as, as heavily on. Where do you see those falling into place in this organization over the next two years? Thank you. You know, we didn't rehearse this part. Katie, how much time yeah. should we give them? A minute, two minutes, 12 um, minutes? Not 12. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we, we do need to uh, end the show at some point. Let's go with two minutes. All right. And I'll keep time. Okay. So, um, Deb, do you want to start us sure, off? Sure. Sure. I can start off. So I think that, first of all, our members dictate our advocacy priorities um, largely through the resolution process. So Hello? Did we lose we... Deb? I think we lost Deb. Uh -oh. Let's go on to um, to Mark, and if if we get Deb back, we'll we'll circle back to Deb. So oh me... gosh, uh, uh, sorry about Mark. that. <laughs> yeah, uh, let's see. Um, right. So resolutions. Yes. Amen. And among <laughs> the many things that we have done with resolutions over the years, uh, we've focused on special ed stuff, aging stuff. I mean, whatever. Pick your favorite topic. There's probably at least more than one or two dozen resolutions about them, but we 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 try to we try to focus on certain specific areas. And one of the things that certainly is near and dear to my heart has to do with aging and vision loss. I've talked about this in other forums too recently. There's easily 12.x million folks uh, who are older who are experiencing vision loss, and whether they know it or not, they they're they're us. Uh, we are them. Uh, we're all in this together, but they may not recognize that. So in addition to sort of the policy and advocacy stuff that we're doing, and by the way, uh, you're going to be learning a lot more in not too very much more time uh, about something called Teddy Joy's Law, named after Teddy Joy Renheld. Um, anyway, stay tuned for that. Um, so I'm excited about that, uh, about our aging and vision loss bill that a number of the groups are working on together, including ACB, ACB's a full partner in that, for sure. Uh, uh, so anyway, uh, that's a really important area for us to focus on. You know, the problem with these kind of discussions is inevitably somebody points out the stuff that they're working on or the things that are close to them. And inevitably, if you're not seconds. mentioning the other person's favorite topics, you feel like you're dissing them. I, you know, look, we all speak out of our own experience and our own expertise, such as we have it. And in this particular instance, I think this is a ripe area for public policy work, but it's also an incredibly fertile uh, field for recruiting future members to the American Council of the Blind if we do it really well. So I'm looking forward to working more on that. All right. And um, Ray, would you like to go next, please? Um, well, everybody knows how much I love advocacy, and so I certainly will. Um, I think that, um, you know, Terry, you asked about the next two years. Uh, I would echo what um, 
Mark said in that uh, a lot of that's going to be dictated by the resolutions. And by the way, you didn't ask this, but I will commit to being on as many of the calls as I can while the resolutions are being discussed, uh, since I is, if I'm successful, I will be voting on them. So I definitely will do that. Um, looking at just the next two years, there's a couple areas that I see as far as advocacy that we've got to work on. Number one, the assault on voting that is going on in this country, the rights mm. of people to vote, the ease of the way people can vote. We just came through a pandemic and many folks voted by mail and you know what? They loved it. And we've got to make sure that in every state across this country, that that right to vote in the way that we want to vote is fully accessible to us, including being able to independently mark and cast to return our ballots. <laughs> and I think because if we if we're not voting, then the politicians couldn't give a rat's rear end about what it is we care about <laughs> because we're, they don't hear from us. We've got to get out there and vote. And by the way, for me, it's not just vote by mail. It's online voting, looking at other ways to vote that are as, as secure as possible and you know easy for people to do independently. I also think with more and more automation, we've got to really keep our eyes on accessibility of automated technology in our everyday world. And so those are the two things I would say. So thank you. Katie, this is Natalie. Before we go on, I don't mean to interrupt, but Deb Cook-Lewis is back. Deb? I'm in the audience. Um, <laughs> um, and, and, and I'm here. I'm on my phone. So yeah, we, we totally lost our internet. We lost, we've lost everything. Um, so I, I'm sorry. I, I, could you repeat the question? Because I've been a little busy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let me, let me summarize it real quickly. Yeah. Um, it, basically, the question is what, you know, we talked a lot about the advocacy that the organization has done. What Terry had I got asked. it. I remember now what I was going to say. Yep. That's all I awesome. needed, Ron. That was good. Perfect. So, so here's here's my deal. I I believe that the organization sets the priority for these things through the resolution process primarily, and so I think if um if there is a certain level of staff um ability we have and a certain level of other ability that we have and we have to basically prioritize um what we do and I think that the first place that that occurs for us is in our resolutions process. And um, I really like the way we have worked through that process now so that every resolution is prioritized in some way and identified who will become responsible for implementing it. So whether it goes um, to staff or whether it goes to a committee or whatever, because there are a million things we can be advocating for. And um, we've chosen some long-term strands, um, but uh, some of that comes through our, through our committees. This summer, we're going to be having at the convention, I can tell you that Transportation and Environmental Access Committee has a great program that will probably stimulate some really good discussion around transportation, but so are our other affiliates and programs. So um, I really think we have to look to the resolutions process and look to hearing our members and not seconds. deciding that up here. Great. Great. Thank you so much. Natalie, do we have, let's have another hand, another question, please. Jamaica Miller. For the BO, for the, are we going to be able, this is, this is for the BOP candidates, are we going to be able to have our have the BOP meetings still happen? And I hope that the 
links will be available for me to be able to still attend those meetings because I certainly have enjoyed those. Thank you. I'll take that, Katie. Sure, go ahead. Yes. And Jamaica, we're so glad that we can uh, provide the BOP meetings on ACB radio now. And so you can use the A lady and listen to those meetings, but they're also open. You can attend any meeting and you've been able to do that for years. I think since since maybe before Ron was chair, maybe when Denise Colley was chair of the BOP. And you, we really welcome your attendance and your participation. And you can call in on your phone. You don't even have to have a smartphone to do it. So I hope you'll keep coming and you'll keep telling us what you want us to be doing and tell us what you like about what we're doing and tell us what we need to do. Um, I, I, I think we really treasure the transparency that we can provide about communications in ACB. So I hope you'll keep coming. This is Cache. Mm-hmm. And again, this that was a great question for Jamaica. And also, I would just encourage not just you, but anyone that is interested in just uh, getting more involved with the BOP and finding out ways to um, be able to give feedback for the interest and um, the uh, perspectives that you would like to see in the Braille form and the vlogs and on the programming. So I do encourage everyone to get more involved. Um, yeah, we, we all have a part and we all have a voice to say. So we need your feedback as members to be able to forge forward and to be able to know what direction we can continue to go in. Thank you so much. Thank yeah. you, Penny and Cache. You're welcome. Natalie, are there other hands? Yes, we have several. Um, okay. John McCann. I'll be brief, which is uncharacteristic. And this question really is only for Mark Reichert because it, it you know does relate to him specifically as the incumbent first vice president. Albeit recently, and only courtesy of a leadership list post for those of us who read such things or have access to such things, we now have some context for understanding or putting in context the first nine months of your tenure in your first term. However, my bigger issue is this. Somewhere in that nine-month span, you became, as I understand it, the interim director of AER, the Association for Education and Rehabilitation of the Visually Impaired. Uh, I'd like to know personally, and I think that the membership of this organization deserves to know uh, whether you and how you could serve in both positions and whether you think doing so is even tenable or legitimate. Thanks, John. So I think part of the challenge that we have here is that since John was trying to run for a position in the organization, I think there were some folks who were concerned about that. And I think the leadership of not only both the folks who were involved at the time and others, you know, had some concerns. Um, And I think that was part of the recruitment in my case. So I'm sorry that you feel um, that you want to raise the question as you did in the way that you did. I would simply say that, you know, if you look at the number of board meetings that I participated in responding to the, the assignments that I've had from Dan Spoon, uh, which I've all responded to and taken on projects uh, and it well in addition to those uh, requests and assignments. Um, I've more than tried to meet the obligations that have been set before me. I think I missed maybe two of the 12 or so board meetings I've had. Beyond that, I would say this, you know, one of the, the unique things that I'm able to bring to this organization is the national leadership roles that Uh, I've been blessed to be able to serve in for almost 30 years. And if you all don't think 
that having someone who is loyal 110% to the American Council of the Blind in whatever leadership roles I happen to be in doesn't benefit this organization or doesn't benefit this field, then I'm not so sure that I can convince you of much of anything else. Um, over and over and over again, the values that each of you and I share and have shared for decades have been lived out in whatever roles I've played both inside and outside of this organization and in any other national group. And you know what? I'm really proud of every last one of those roles that I've been involved in. And we've really, frankly, done a hell of a job of moving things forward for blind and visually impaired people. I don't regret one moment of it. I would do it all over again. Thank you. Patty Fletcher. So I will try to be brief. I would like to send this question out to those who are dealing with communication and that sort of thing. And I am coming on behalf of some people who raised questions in a call that I will facilitate on Fridays. A few of the people in that call are very low tech and are having difficulty in some ways in communicating. Some of them do not have computers. Some of them do not have smartphones. And so they are having trouble communicating and getting information that they want and need and disseminating information that they wish to do. And when I give them options, they tell me that they're somehow not connecting with correct people. How can we work harder to see that those who are not as technically savvy as the rest of us, for whatever reason, whether it is because they don't know how or because they don't have the means, stay connected and get what they need and are able to participate? So this is kind of, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. I was thinking we could maybe open it up, start out with BOP and then open it up to the rest of the, of the group because. Yeah, I agree. Let's start with BOP and then anybody else that wants to answer, you've got an opportunity to answer as well. Let's go ahead and just hold these answers to one minute if that's all right. Mm -hmm. And I'll keep time. Thanks. Yes. All right. So so cache. Cache. Hi. I love saying that name. (laughs) Thank you you so much. (laughs) Well, I will say um, as someone who is transitioning, and I definitely understand the uh, disparity sometimes when you feel like you're being left out. And we don't want anyone to feel that they're left out. And I would suggest creating some type of partner partnership program because not everybody is at the same level of tech. Um, technology. Um, They may not have the uh, resources. So partnering, uh, creating some type of partnership that will merge or bridge those gaps that will connect someone who is seasoned, who has a little bit more tech knowledge to connect with someone, even as new members. I think uh, touching bases with those members when they get in, uh, touching bases with our, our seniors who are dealing with aging uh, vision loss and connecting with them and see how can we help them. I think we need to have some conversations and to be able to create new innovative ways to be able to help them to feel like they're connected with this organization. Thank you so much. I uh, want to go next. Yep. Sure. So this is Penny and um, I say a lot of things we already have. We need to advertise better. You can listen to ACB radio on your phone. 
Um, you can um, also listen to some of the blogs on your phone. If you have something, uh, I know the Victor Reader stream is assistive technology, but it's also extremely simple to use. So you can uh, listen to podcasts on the Victor Reader stream. You can participate in all the community calls with a simple phone, and you can find out what's on by calling the ACB national number. It's a free number. And all of the community calls are listed every single day. And the Braille form is the lowest form of technology that we have. And all you got to be able to do is read large print, listen to a cartridge, or uh, maybe you can be, be a Braille reader, and you can get um, fairly current information in the Braille forum. And the other thing you should do is talk to your local uh, affiliate, your local chapter, your state affiliate. Um, those people keep in touch with the national organization, and it's a good way for you to communicate if you don't want to give one of us a call. Um, and all of the Braille Forum, um, all the uh, board members, the yeah. ACB board members Fine, are Benny. listed Fine. Yep. Sorry, in the magazine. Anyone else want to respond to Patty's question? I'll take a shot. Okay. Ray Campbell here. Uh, Patty, thank you for that question. Um, communication, communication, communication. Uh, we, we need to be doing it. Um, I think that sometimes unintentionally, we try to get out everywhere. I mean, we're trying to get into Clubhouse, we're on Facebook Live and all these different things, but we we sometimes do unintentionally forget those that are less technically savvy. I'd say just a couple things. One might be to see if we could de develop some partnerships where people could maybe by three-way calling, help somebody call into a Zoom meeting if they're having trouble. We do that in one of our special interest affiliates that I'm vice president of. And second of all, maybe helping to do some programming to get people training on how to use some of the tools that maybe they have, but maybe no one has really shown them how they could use them effectively to communicate. Anybody else want to take a shot? Yeah, hi, this Hello? is Chris Bell. Oh, Chris um, Bell. Um, you know, I am often on the community call for people uh, losing vision late in life. And... Um, yeah, they are frustrated by technology, but there's also an emotional process that people have to go through as they're coming to grips with whatever their degree of vision loss is, and particularly if it's uh, changing. Um, and I think we can do more with peer, local peer support, uh, whether it's via Zoom or, or in person, to help people uh, feel Excuse connected me, Chris. and express I'm themselves. Yes. Chris? Yeah. Sorry, we have, I think we have some background noise. So just make yep. sure that the panelists, um, just make sure you're muted, please. I, I think it's important to, to provide peer support, not just technical support. Technical support is important and mentorship is important, but, but people have to feel, um, uh, get to a point where they're okay in their process. And that takes a lot of time. Thanks. Anybody else want to answer this? Uh, this is yes, Ron. This is Denise. And since <clears throat> I've been talking about communication all night, I guess I might as well. Uh -huh. um, I would say, you know, yeah, we we talk about the various forms of communication that we have, and you know, we all say, well, you know, if nothing else, there is the phone. But we need to remember that even with the phone, there's menus you have to go through, and that can be that can be uh, really um, intimidating to people. I think I like the idea of peer support. Um, of setting up some kind of a network where we listen to and help those who are having communication issues and that we make available ourselves available and that they know who the people are that they really need to contact 
and that we seconds. do respond. And, um, you know, you can use your local chapters as a means of sharing what's in the ACB Braille forum. Um, have, have articles read at your chapter meetings. Um, that is a good way of sharing information with those individuals who might have difficulty accessing information in any other form. Thank you. Thanks. And I think I heard Doug Powell, and then maybe we can move on after that. Doug, did you want to add something? Sure. Thanks. Um, we in the Alliance on Aging and Vision Loss, which is one of the uh, special interest affiliates that, that I'm involved with, um, we've been doing a project called the, the um, AAA project where we're uh, contacting the area agencies on aging and um, having them fill out questionnaires. But it, what it really is, is a, an, it's certainly an, a, a, a vehicle for getting information about the AAAs and how we can work with them. But it's also, I think more seconds. importantly, it is um, an opportunity for people to uh, get involved with their local, uh, you know, local advocacy uh, at the local level. So, and um, they've been, uh, people who have, who are not high tech have actually been uh, involved in the project and have been working on trying to get on their uh, uh, advisory councils for the AAA. So there are opportunities for people who are low tech as well as for uh, high tech people. I think I think that's all for that question, right? Yep. Yeah. Let's yep. move all on. Right. Okay. Really. Um, okay. So the area code beginning with three three zero, ending in one five seven. Hey, it's Stephanie from Ohio. Uh, I'm I'm uh, I'm thankful that, uh, that that all that you guys have done for the ACB program. Uh, how how you how do you see this uh, how do you see this organization moving forward? Okay, so your question is how do you basically how do you see the organization going forward? Yes. Okay, uh, I'm just going to go ahead and and I'm going to offer this question I think to our officer candidates if that's mm -hmm. okay. Um, so each of you maybe take a minute. So we'll start with Ray. All right. Thank thank you, Stephanie, for that question. Um, I think I think the organization going forward. Um, it's going to be about involving our people. And we've talked a lot about that tonight. And I think we have to not only involve our people, you know, Dan talks a lot about being intentional about diversity, equity, and inclusion. And he's absolutely right about that. But we not only need to get people involved, but listen to people and listen to what their needs and concerns are. When I chaired the task force to take a look at the resolutions process a couple of years ago, which Dan asked me to do. I, we had several individuals seconds. from yep. various backgrounds on there. Not only did we have them on there, but I made sure that I gave them and encouraged them to speak up and express their, their issues and their concerns. And I think that um, we can learn a lot from organizations like BPI and stuff about ways that and good ways that we can move the organization forward, but it's going to be about people. And that's all I have. Thank you. And Deb, would you like to go next? Sure, I can go next. So um, I think we've talked a lot about the ways in which we would move forward, um, both in terms of, of, of communication, in terms of resource development, in terms of um, general processes. But I think that at the heart of our activity, um, we are a member-driven organization, and somehow we have to make sure that we are connected to our members 
and that we are responding to the needs and desires of our members. And I didn't really comment on the technology item because people really were talking about that. But there are so many areas like that, not just that, that we can really help to shore up the strengths of our members going forward. And Mark. Hello. So I I love what Ray said about listening. The the point I want to make here is that I think it's not just about listening to our members, but it's about listening to each other when we are in board discussions. I mean, one of the things that I haven't heard a whole lot about tonight or last night or in other forums is how any board, but especially ACB's board, should be working. I mean, for sure, a team is always the cliche word. But if you're going to be on a board of directors, seconds. the most important thing that you need to be doing is listening and learning from each other. And so I hope whatever we do and whoever you are and whoever you choose to vote for, uh, that it's all about putting people in place who are prepared to listen and learn uh, from each other and come to those meetings um, with the intentional choice to um, engage with each other and listen and learn. Thanks. And Denise. I think that... um one of the things that we're going to see moving forward is uh, greater growth and more people becoming involved. And as more people become involved, we need to find out where their passions are, where their interests are, and where they can best serve the organization. And we need to give people that opportunity. We need to give people the opportunity to build on their leadership skills that some people don't even think that they have, and they really do. So I'd like to see us working more in that direction. I think uh, as, as I talk about my, my focus on the special interest affiliates, I think as we help our special interest affiliates move forward and become more in the spotlight, that's going to generate more advocacy type issues and who knows what else that will ha- allow the organization to, to even grow further. Thank Great. you. And I'm going to take time to keeping duties on the next question, give Katie a break. Um, So back to um, our moderator. I mean, our facilitator. (laughs) (laughs) Natalie. (laughs) Um, Jean, man. Hi, um, this question is for Cache. You said that you wanted to become part of the Board of Publications to promote change and are something, I don't know if those were your exact words, but I, I'd like to hear a little bit more about what, what changes you feel that um, need to be made and that you want to work on. Thank you so much. Um, as one who is seeking a seat on the Board of Publication, one thing that I would love to see is uh, the ability of the board to be able to engage more in its members, um, making sure that um, the articles and the processes and the practices that are currently in place are clear and concise and that it is actually giving every member an opportunity that their interests and their perspectives be heard. That is, um, uh, I would love to see a mentoring program so that those that come along who are interested in being a part of leadership on several levels of publication, whether it's the state or national, have the opportunity to be able to engage in mentoring and leadership. Thank you so much. Are we ready for the next question? Um, Stephanie Watts. Good evening, everyone. Thank you so much for the opportunity to 
uh, ask a question. I'm going to direct this question to the Board of Publications candidates and uh, the moderator host. You guys can select whoever you want to go first. Um, my question to you is, and Kasha, you, you may have gotten started on this, so forgive the repeat um, here. Uh, describe your plan to outreach to underserved populations within ACB. And the purpose would be to reach out to this particular group, however you define that group. So you call it how you see the underserved populations um, outside and within ACB. But my um, hope is that you can tell me how you would engage this group so that they become competent contributors to our various ACB publications. Thank you. Great question. And right. why don't we... Let's start with Penny. Yep. And I've got time. Two All minutes. Right. All right. Hey. Yeah. Um, well, I would say that um, one of the things we're doing is uh, giving themes to each of the issues. So with someone who is in an underserved member of, a pop, of an underserved population finds that we're going to be focusing an issue on a specific theme. We certainly encourage those people to submit articles. Um, I, a long time ago, used to be editor of the Braille Forum, and I would take articles in any format anybody gave them to me in, and I would think the chairman is doing exactly the same thing. I published a few articles that were dictated to me over the phone. I published an article from someone who was 10 who had just gotten back from space camp. I published an article that Ron Brooks wrote about delivering his first child at home. And I hear she's about ready to go to college. So um, I think we need to encourage people to submit articles if they want to submit to the Braille Forum in any format that they want to do it. And we need to accommodate that. And we can do the same thing with the blog. And certainly people in the community are encouraged to participate on the phone and to uh, talk about whatever they want to talk about. Um, we have people in ACB radio who are more than happy to help people broadcast and uh, stream information, even if they don't know how to do it. Um, so I think what we need to do is make ourselves available with whatever skills we have and share seconds. those skills with people and encourage people not to be those people who say, oh, I can't write because everybody can write because everybody has a story to tell. And it's up to those of us who are writers and editors to help people do those things. Uh, one more thing I wanna say is that our ACB conversation list is a great way to engage new members who may not know much about ACB and may wanna learn more. And that's another way to engage people in a population that might feel like they're underserved, but we can make them feel like they're definitely well served if we just encourage people Time. to participate. You're welcome. All right, and Cache? Thank you. I. Um want to kind of uh, piggyback off of what Penny said that we uh, creating a, a action plan, a strategic action plan that will allow um, for member engagement and involvement that, uh, that there is clear and concise um, knowledge. Because a lot of times we don't understand and we don't understand the processes. So pairing up to uh, create partnerships, making sure even on the local level that there are avenues that people can go through, understanding that uh, 
it's not lim- there's no limitation. Uh, creating workshops is one thing that I would love to see for mentoring um, for those who that those that say they can't write or don't understand uh, necessarily the steps in the formal writing uh, would be great to see for the Board of Publications. Anything that is going to create an interest. Um, a lot of times people want to get involved, but they don't know the steps to get involved. They want to get involved and they don't, they're not sure. They may not have the confidence. So finding ways to bridge those gaps that will get members involved, educating them on the processes, imp- just empowering them. I've, I do believe that when we support our members, they will turn in turn support us and support the process and support the all the avenues, whether it's the vlogs, the blogs, programming and podcasts. I would love seconds. to see more diversity in the uh, articles and the programming that we put forth. And that's going to be one thing that I would love to see um, one of the processes changed as well. Thank you so much. Thank you, Penny and Cachet. Um, Natalie, let's take our next question, please. All right. Jeanette Kutesh. I am going to preface my question by telling you that two years ago, I attended my first national convention. And on the first day, I got myself registered. And on the second day, I had a problem. And I approached somebody fairly high up in the organization. I will not name names. um, And asked how to solve my problem and I got yelled at basically and I had to stop and say to the person I am a first timer I know nothing about how to do this I have been here less than 12 hours and I'm completely overwhelmed I'm glad to do whatever I need to do but I have no idea where to start my question to all of you is I've become very aware that if you're a first-timer who is getting scholarships or well-known, people know who you are and you get approached and asked if you need assistance. If you're somebody like me who's older and just came for the first time, you're pretty well left on your own. What process could any of you see as being put into place so that in the future, first-timers will know who to approach if there are problems and be able to have someone acknowledge that they're first-timers so that when they really do get stuck, um, they won't feel like even the right to ask the question does not exist. It's a great question. Uh, we think Katie, shall we open it to everybody who any or uh, anybody who wants this to answer? This is Deb. Deb. I would like. Uh, I would like to. Sign All me right. up after Deb. Sign me okay. up too. All right, everybody, gets right. a shot. One minute. And One minute. Yes. Oh, you got time? time. Okay, I'll do it. Yep. <laughs> okay. So Deb, one okay. minute. Okay. Go ahead. Um, yes. Yeah, so basically, I think that's a great question, Jeanette. And one of the things that I think is really important at the affiliate level, and I realize we have to strengthen our affiliates to do this. But if someone is a member of of an affiliate, 
affiliate. I think that affiliates should have a buddy program related to attending convention because it's really tough for any of us the first time and maybe the first five times. The other thing is, I think maybe we need to consider whether we need to implement a way to request in advance if you're not part of an affiliate or not part of a strong affiliate that can do this for you, that you might be able to request sort of a convention buddy. Um, And I think that's useful as well, because I do think that, I mean, people do need help. It's, it's a huge environment. And so I, I think that absolutely helping people to connect with a particular person, um, no matter who they are, would be helpful. Mark Mark signed up. I guess I did. Uh, So, so (laughs) the first thing I would say is you do not have to be a first timer to get yelled at. Um, you, 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 you can be in the organization for 30 years, apparently, uh, and, and get yelled at. So, so I will just say that, you know, if, 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 as they say, if you're getting shot at, you must be doing something right. I will just say that I think ACB, and this is true of a lot of organizations, not just ACB, sometimes, you know, clicks develop. And if you're not in the in crowd, you know, you're left out. I would totally endorse everything Deb said. And the other part of it, I would say, is from the top down, we should be starting to think about, you know, this is all, if if we're going to take diversity, equity, and inclusion really, really, really seriously, it's not just about the things that I think all of us automatically think of. It's all about this kind of stuff. And what kind of structures do we want to put in place and let's embrace it? Because if we don't, we're going to continue to have this business of, people who should be are on the on the short list of folks that we embrace are going to be left out. Thanks. Fine. And I think um, Ray was next. Sure. Thank you. Um, first of all, Jeanette, I, I am really sorry that happened to you and it shouldn't mm. have. Um, I think one of the things that kind of rolled around in my head with this is, you know, we do a wonderful job of uh, recruiting volunteers well, maybe we could take some of that kind of experience at our conventions uh, when we're back in person and maybe have a couple of uh, people that are like liaisons or whatever that are, you know, we that are there and make sure people seconds. know about them. Like maybe at the information desk where they could say, mm-hmm. hey, I'm, I'm that the, the, their job is to help first timers understand what's happening. The convention is overwhelming. Heck, it's just hard enough to find your way around the darn hotel, let alone figure out what you're supposed to be doing. So maybe uh, uh, just somebody that people could just talk to and just kind of help them understand and work through things. Maybe that's a role that um, uh, our membership uh, services folks with the membership committee and that could uh, take a a look at uh, doing Um, something like that. This is Doug. Okay, Doug, go ahead. One minute. Um, yeah, two things. One, thank Jeanette. Thank you very much because we have, we thought we have uh, some things in place. You know, like uh, artists usually has a a, a tour. Uh, you know, that sort of acclimates you to the to the area and and to what's going on and that kind of thing. But you got to find her and you got to find the fact that that's happening. And obviously, that didn't work for you. So um, I I think it would be easy for us to put. Uh, on the application, are you a first timer? And if we, and if you are, then um, we can seconds. put you on a special list to um, to make sure that we can reach out to you and make sure that the uh, that you're getting acclimated. And I, I think that's great feedback. And so thank you very very much for doing that. 
Thank you, Doug. Anyone else want to? Hi, this is Cassie. Uh, hi, this is Chris Bell. Uh, thank hi. you for your question. Um, I agree with what everybody else has said, and I won't repeat it, but my gut tells me that there are many, many, many people out there that um, have issues where, you know, do I ask for help? Who do I ask for help about? You know, I want to be independent. Um, I, I don't want to be a burden. I don't want to bother anybody. One of the great things about some of our social or community calls where people got to be authentic about some of their concerns. And I think one of the things we need to try to do through storytelling is to provide our own individual experience, strength, and hope. Because I think that people need to be able to connect and we need to be able to connect with people's actual experiences of doubts and, and uh, you know, issues about coping and getting along, which we don't like to talk about, but are important to talk about. Can I hear Cache? Hi, this is Cache. I do want to thank Jeanette again for her question. I do uh, want to say that I understand exactly what you're going through, <laughs> mm -hmm. what you mm -hmm. went through. And so for me on this side of it, as the one who is seeking a seat on the Board of Publications, I would suggest, um, I know it's been suggested before, like a convention buddy, I would even say a board buddy, you know, in the opportunities where the board members are not busy in other things, yeah. that they can be um, in the welcome welcoming committee, you know what I mean. I know they have the first timers, but you know to have to have that a uh, plan to put in place something intentional that allows maybe a phone tree where they can partner up with someone so they can walk them through that process that they're touching bases with them at least every day or once in the morning or something like that during the convention time. I think that would be a great way to partner with new members, and it is a way to continue to be pulling pull new members as well. Thank you so much. Can I follow up with Chris? Sure, Penny, go ahead. Hey, so I just wanted to say that I really like what Chris, you said, because I remember my second convention and I was more lost, I think the second year than I was the first. And I uh, was walking along really way too fast with my white cane because it's before I had a dog. And I clashed canes with Carol McCarl. And she started laughing and she said, oh, we've crossed swords. And just that sense of humor and that inclusion was what I needed because she put me right at ease and I was laughing uh -huh. too. And I think we all need to bring our sense of humor with this convention, seconds. including people who've been there for a long time. Uh -huh. And it's not hard for any of us to remember the first time we were there. So uh, uh -huh. I'm sorry that happened to you. And I, I hope your next experience is a better one. I just love right. that we had a question about an in-person convention. I feel so optimistic yeah. now. <laughs> yes. We're going to do, We're gonna that do again. it again. We're going to yeah. do it again. Someday. <laughs> yeah, good. I think Natalie. we have time for one more question before we let the, the candidates um, give us some closing statements. So let's see if we can get at least one more question and maybe two. Hey, um, Sheila. Good evening, everybody. I hope everybody has enjoyed this as much as I have. Um, my question is plain and simple, and I don't care who answers it, but I've heard a lot about resolutions in all of the forums. I haven't heard one word about what we're going to do with our Constitution and bylaws, and I think that is as important, if not more so, mm. than as resolutions is. So what do you think 
we need to do to make constitutional and bylaw changes happening quicker than later. I'll jump off the deep end, I guess. <laughs> right, I'm going to recognize Ray and then Doug. Okay. And I'll do and the timing Doug. and how many minutes, Katie, one or two? Um, let's do maximum of two. Okay. So I hear Ray, Doug, and then Deb. Uh, I think I can keep it under that, which is a miracle for me. But anyway, um, mm. so I chaired the resolutions or constitution bylaws committee for six years. See what I, what I did there? That was terrible. Anyway, mm. um, Sheila, you're absolutely right. I really feel like this convention is really going to give us a good idea of how we can handle voting and debates and everything, not only on our officers and board members and elections and that, but also on other business. Um, we, we simply have got to figure out how to move forward in a hybrid manner and do, be able to do all of our business. Um, I think there's ways that we can do that. I think we can have constitution and bylaws uh, amendments out earlier and posted and available so that people can read them. And we can, we have our wonderful community. We can have community events around, you know, constitution and bylaws committee. Maybe we should have community calls and be talking to people about, Hey, you know, what are some of the things you'd like to see in the constitution? We make sure people actually know how to get to the constitution and you know, a little bit about what it says. Reading the whole document might be kind of intimidating for some. So perhaps an executive summary of the Constitution and what it all says might be good. Uh, I think the Constitution and what it says and what it needs to say is going to be really important over the next couple of years. And uh, I definitely appreciate the sense of your question. And thanks for bringing seconds. it up. And I, we've got a lot, we got a lot of work to do on it, I think. And we need to figure out how to get that done and get it done quicker and well. Thank you. This is Doug. So um, I think that it's going to probably be a two-step process. I think I do think there are changes that we need to make to um, uh, ensure that uh, we can do business regardless of the uh, regardless of the environment. But even more importantly, I think we need to go through a, a, a year of hybrid. Um, you know, we've opened up to everybody voting this year. Um, we're going to have uh, in-person and at home next year. So it's, it's going to be a process. So I, I, I think we need to start on it, but I don't think we need to uh, jump to any quick conclusions until we've sort of had some, uh, you know, some tests and, you know, made some mistakes and, and figured it out. So uh, I do think it's going to, I think it needs to happen, but I think it's going to be a, a sort of a two-step process. It may not happen as fast as some would like, but I, I hopefully it will uh, be done right when we get it done. Right. I think Debbie, you were next. Yeah. So um, we don't have enough time for me to talk about this in the way I'd like to. So I'm going to try to be really concise. I think that we are making a huge step, as has been said, to make it possible for at least this year for all members of this organization to vote. That is going to change very much the way this organization does business, and it's going to change business. And I think that's, you know, potentially very good. It can be potentially very scary too, but it's a good thing. I think that then we need to look at our constitution 
from the top and basically evaluate whether it is each each piece of it whether it is relevant now as it was in the days it was pretty much established this organization hasn't really revisited this stuff in detail ever um at least not in a long time and so it's just usually tweaking so i want us to look at how we do business and how we should be doing business in in the times we are in which are very very different um, the voting is the first piece of that but there are absolutely sheila is totally right there are absolutely more steps that need to be taken and how we go about taking those is something the membership will have to struggle through because we do definitely have a strong uh, contending sense of our membership that things need to sort of stay the same. And we have other members who feel they should just change for the sake of change. And we're probably needing to be somewhere in the middle of those two things. So um, I absolutely think it's one of the major things that we will be needing to work through and it will not be easy. Ron, Katie? Yes, go for it, Mark. Thanks. Uh, so 1996, 1997, something about around that range, yours truly got to serve as ACB's first director of advocacy services. And one of the things that became crystal clear to me at that time was that we did not have enough structure in place through our constitution and bylaws to support the work of that function. And of course, things have really changed. I mean, that's what, 25 or more years ago. But I'm really proud of the fact that yours truly and a few others got together and we proposed some changes to our bylaws. And some of that language still exists in those bylaws today. You know what? That, that stuff needs to change. We, <laughs> that, that was wonderful back then. I think we need to evolve it. I bring all this up to say, I love, Sheila, your question about, as you kind of said, gee, we heard a lot about resolutions. What about constitution and bylaws? Anybody who's within the sound of my voice, whether it's a constitution and bylaws amendment or a resolution, get the heck involved. Come up with your ideas, put them forward. Even a 27-year-old brat, you think I'm a brat tonight, just imagine what I was 25 <laughs> or more years ago, hmm. right? You, you can make a difference in this organization by putting forth your ideas. And seconds. please do that because Deb is absolutely right. We've got this little uh, yo-yo thing going on between the folks who say we did it in 1961, so it must be you know divinely inspired. And everyone else who says, let's uh, overturn the money changers tables, right? Somewhere in between, that's a balance. And you know what? I bet a lot of you have a good idea about how to do that. So bring it, bring it on. Thank you. Anyone else wishing to respond to this question? All right, let's move on. Let's try to take one more question before we move to some closing statements and remarks. Hi, El. Hello. Um, I apologize for the uh, background noise. Um, I <laughs> wanted to ask, there was only one mention so far of um, what I refer to as blind plus uh, individuals within the ACB, and that was Chris Bell at the very beginning. Yeah. Um, what do any of you uh, have to say, your opinions about acknowledging the uh, membership increase and that including the people who have 
not just blindness as a disability, but a hearing impairment or another type of disability? How do you plan to support this membership? Thank oh you. my gosh. Oh my uh, gosh. Let me, mm. have, let, let me have at it. Great question. Sign us all up. Great Put question. Chris at the top all of right. the list. But how, about, how about, I think, um, gosh, one minute? We're close yeah, on one time. minute. We want to so, start with and, uh, Start Who wants Ray? to go first, Ray? No, I think I th let me. I, this is Chris Bell. Let me let's let Chris go. Let Chris go. So, for sure. Um, yes. I, I think the first thing is that as an organization, uh, we have to acknowledge through our our policies and our mission statement and whatnot that we are about people with uh, vision impairments and any other impairment that affects people with vision impairments. Um, and so we have to say, yeah, we're about blind people, we're about visually impaired people, but we recognize that that's gonna include a wide spectrum of folks. And many of those folks are gonna have uh, hearing impairments or mobility impairments or whatever, and that's great. And we accept you. Um, and, uh, you know, I think some of us need to tell our stories and, you know, Mark uh, Richard has done that, for example, about depression. So I, I just encourage people to, to tell their stories and to make this a uh, part of our organization and make us friendly for people who are uh, blind and more. Thank you. All right. Who wants to go next? I'll take a shot right? at it. All right. Sure. Uh, hi, I'll thank you for the question. Um, you know, and I'm going to frame this answer a little bit into the area of diversity, equity, and inclusion. Well, we, you know, when you think about Amen. terms, Amen. You th we think about people of color and people from the LGBTQ community and different genders and all that. And we should absolutely think about that. But we do have members that are in our organization. I can't tell you how many more people I've seen it recent in-person conventions that are using wheelchairs seconds. and other aids. Absolutely. Uh, uh, we have our, our <laughs> deafblind community. I, I happen to live with one of the co-chairs of that committee and <laughs> they do a great job. But I think we even need to look, we have so many new members and many of them are gonna be coming with other types of issues and concerns. And it's something we really need to think about making sure that we do the best we can to understand the issues they have as people who are blind, but also help them as people that are dealing with other impairments so they can actively and fully Fine. participate in our organization. This is Deb. Go ahead, Deb. So, um, yeah, everything everyone has said, of course, but I also just want to point out that that um, I am aging. I don't maybe none of the rest of you are. Um, I'm getting older. And, um, and, <laughs> as, and and one of the things that I think has been really valuable to explore is how having any one disability is changed by acquiring some new ones. So we do have members of our organization who have their multiple disability situation um, congenitally. I don't from birth or early childhood, but we also have many, many, seconds. most of us who are um, actually adding disability. And so I think that as we continue to explore this, it's really important to understand that this probably affects all of us in some way. So can I jump in at this point? This is I think, yes. Oh, oh Cache, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, that's After okay. You. <laughs> Thanks so much, Hayel. Um, I would love to say that um, as we move forward in this organization, one thing that I would hope that we will continue to do is to put people first. 
recognizing that we've got to identify their needs, gain their trust to know that as much as they support us, we want to support them. And I think when we do that, we create, again, space for great conversations, feedback. We are able to put plans in, um, in action because it's not about saying what we're going to do. We've got to put action to what we're saying. And once we do that, I think bridging those gaps and helping our members to know that we're there for them and being the support that they need, not just supporting us. Thank you, Cache. Um, I can answer. Okay. Go ahead, Penny. Penny, it's all about you. I just think we need to remember that one of those core values is respect. Uh, I hear so much respect for people on community calls, people with all kinds of intellectual capabilities and, and lack thereof, and people with hearing impairments and people who are older and confused. And, and I love hearing how respectful many, many people on the community calls are. We have to do that everywhere. And I think our, our local chapters are more likely to do that than maybe our national organization. So we need to take lessons from each other. And, um, and I really think we should include this discussion on the convention committee. I think the convention committee needs to pay special attention to people with extra That's needs. That's a great idea. That's Thank a great you. idea. Thank you, Penny. Who wishes to speak next? How about Mark? Well, okay. <laughs> really? <laughs> I guess I, I'm the caboose on this train. Uh, let's see. Oh, gosh, too much to say in too short a time. Um, I think that we spend far too much time categorizing people. Yeah. And look, I love our state and special interest affiliates. And, and yet, and even the, the convention programming almost makes people choose, gee, I'm going to go in this direction, that direction. All I want to say about all that is I, I think that there are some people who fit in a bunch of different categories. Seconds. I mean, I, I didn't know until the last couple of years that I might fit into a category or two that I never really thought of before. And yet there are some other people, especially folks who are older and living with vision loss who don't fit into any of our categories. I mean, Teddy Joy Remheld said it best. She said, I don't, I, I don't think of myself as someone who is either sighted or blind she doesn't fit in any of our buckets. She doesn't fit in any of our categories. Hi. And God bless her memory. And we got to do something more about that. And we will. Can I uh, just jump in for a quick comment? Yes. The only thing that I would add to what's been said before is we need your help uh, in understanding what your concerns are, what, you know, uh, how we can help you uh, participate fully. Um, so, you know, in this, in this, you know, I'm, I'm open to listening. I, I, I don't know what your special needs are. So um, as a board member, I, you know, I'm open to hearing what you have, what you need and how we, uh, how we can sort of develop uh, our uh, processes so that uh, it will support you. Thank you. Anyone else? We are approaching the top of the hour and I want to be cognizant of everyone's time. Um, so do we have any more questions, Natalie? Um, Nora? Yes, Lisa, hi. Um, I'm Nora Silking from Phoenix, Arizona, and I want to find out about people having to do with transportation. How can we work so, so that we can have people to, people that 
will help us um, advocate so that we can have more transportation for those who live in rural areas. That's all I wanted to know. Thank you for that question. Um, Ronald, keep time on this one. How about one minute? Yeah, and let's just, um, if you have something to say on this question, uh, we'll just take volunteers. And mm -hmm. um, I know one person who probably does. At least, yes. You think that's you? No. Anybody want to take this question? Yeah, hi, this is Chris Bell. I'll take it. Um, you know, transportation is such a critical need and, and it's such a problem in rural areas. And it really is going to take um, a lot of involvement uh, at the local level because transportation is mostly a local thing. All right. So, I mean, there are uh, rural planning organizations and whatnot, but it's going to take a, a big push. And, and I think it's something that AC, ACB should uh, work on as a separate uh, sub category of transportation, because it's such a huge need, a huge issue for so many people, particularly older people who are losing seconds. their sight and they're living in in rural areas. Um, it's a huge problem, but thanks for raising it. Uh, mm -hmm. This is Deb. Yep. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I moved to a rural area and boy, I sure know about this now. <laughs> and I never could have dreamed it would have been this bad. I, it, it is really, really tough. So I, I do agree with a great deal of what Chris is saying, which is that we need to help people really connect at the local level. One thing I can say in rural areas is that because we really are underrepresented in the transportation system, it is actually welcomed if we want to become engaged. And um, it's not seconds. always easy to figure out where to do that. And we need to help people do that. But I really think we need to help people engage at the local level and work it up from there. Can I add to that? Go ahead. Um, this is Penny. I agree with Deb. I grew up in a very rural area where there was no transportation. And I know exactly what everyone is talking about. But um, I think the infrastructure legislation that is now being proposed might have some mechanisms for addressing rural transportation issues. And I also want to say that I know that the transportation subcommittee is going to be rewriting the pedestrian safety handbook. And no matter where you live, that's a book that will tell you how to advocate at your local level for improvements in transportation. Um, seconds. Um, and there was one more thing I was going to say, but I totally forgot what it was. But um, I think ACB can do a lot more with transportation at all levels, in the rural areas and in the cities. And we all just have to be involved and learn how to do it. I'll take a shot at this. Um, I think, Nora, we need to talk to people like you and others that live in rural areas and understand what your needs are and look for and try to find models that are successful in rural areas. You know, the rural area isn't going to be a place where you're going to run a 40, 50 foot city bus, but maybe there's ways that we can uh, advocate for driver programs or something like that, or incentives for ride share to serve those areas. I don't know what the issues are. I grew up in a rural area, but Mom and dad took me every place I wanted to go, and I didn't really have to worry about that. If I moved back there again, I'm not sure what I would do, but um, 
I, I do think it's something we need to be talking to the people in rural areas, nothing about us without us. Any other candidates wish to respond? No? Okay. All right. Well, before we um, head into the closing statement portion of the evening, I want to I want to um, thank the audience for the great questions. Thank you, Natalie, for facilitating for us. And um, to Jeff Bishop, who's been keeping us on ACB Radio all night. Thank you for that. Um, and why don't we close it out with our hearing from our candidates for one last time. What do you say, a minute closing statement, Mark, uh, Ron? Yeah, sounds good. Let's do it. And maybe we can go in, since we started in alphabetical, how about we go in reverse alphabetical and start right. with Cash A. Wells. Thank you all so much. This has been and wonderful. I'll, I'll keep time. Thanks, Katie. <laughs> Thank you all so much. This has been great. And what I will say is that experience is a qualifier, but life experience is a teacher. I may be new to ACB, but I am not new to nonprofit organizations and putting in the work. I am open to ideas for solutions that focus on solving problems. I pray and I hope that we would work together to develop attainable goals that will forge forward this organization to uh, pursue diversity and inclusion and equity for human rights. 30 seconds. Uh, that we will be reinvigorating new ways to engage and empower our community. Today it is me, tomorrow it could be you. And again, I thank you for choosing Cache Wells for a seat on the Board of Publications. All right. Love the campaign ending there. Mark Reichert. <laughs> so I want to really emphasize the fact that none of us uh, are running in a vacuum. None of us, uh, if, if, if you heard any of us talk about what I am going to do, I would discount that immediately. The reality of it is none of us individually can do much of anything. Whether you're on the Board of Publications, whether you're on the ACB board, it is a team effort. It's all about that group dynamic. And seconds. every last one of us, including me, need to come to that experience committed to listening to each other, being quiet, and learning from each other, and then exercising good judgment out of whatever the character it is that we can bring to that exercise and help us all kind of go to that next level. Um, it's been a privilege to play that role such as I've been able to play it. Uh, God bless ACB. Thanks. Thanks, Mark. And I agree with you. We're not running in a vacuum because that would suck. On to pay <laughs> reader. <laughs> what a there you go. That's a 25 cent line. Thank you, Ron. I want to thank everyone for the trust you placed in me when you voted for me last time. And I hope that you'll be willing to do that again. Um, Mark is right, of course. We all uh, succeed by persuasion and by listening and by understanding and by seeking to do our best. And that's what I'll do. ACB. I haven't heard anyone use the word democracy, but that's one of the best things about ACB. Because we are a democracy. Not one of us is more important than any of the others. And it's the majority that rules in ACB. And the only way that a democracy can succeed is if the voters are informed. Now we have all kinds of new voters, and it's up to the Board of Publication to make sure that they're informed and that they inform the leadership and that all of us inform the public about what a great organization ACB is. So thank you for your vote. 
And uh, I look forward to the election. And thank you for this great forum. I think it's been a really wonderful experience. Thank you. Doug Powell. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you for hanging in there with us <laughs> um, for the last couple hours. Um, and I, uh, one thing that I think that we have not touched on it quite as much. First of all, I, I want to say that uh, being on the board, I have really enjoyed working with all the committee chairs. I, I don't think anybody knows how hard these committees work. Um, and, and I think it's increased and I think it will increase even more. Um, and therefore, one of the things that I wanted to uh, mention that has, I don't think has been uh, drawn much attention 30 to seconds. is the um, bringing on new leadership. I've been a member of the leadership training uh, task force since it was incepted, <laughs> uh, since its inception. Mm -hmm. And um, have, I want to continue to do that. I also want to continue to uh, look at ways that we can involve, go straight to the chapters and involve the rank and file people in uh, local advocacy to train them up to, you know, to be take on bigger roles and come Fine. into our footsteps. All right, Deb Cook Lewis. Okay, um, let's see. Um, I'm just making sure that my stuff is working here. It looks good. Okay, so um, I basically want to get right down to sort of the brass tacks for me. And um, I've talked a lot about how I feel about things. I've talked a lot about what I've done. I need to talk about uh, the future. So um, basically, um, ACB has a wonderful president. I totally support Dan Spoon and where he's taken this organization, but Dan isn't going to be serving in that role forever. And when seconds. I told people that I might run for this office, they asked me, are you willing to be president of this organization? And the answer is yes. And I think that is an important issue that we have to think about in this role that Mark and I are running for is which one of us do you want to have or someone else out there absolutely as the next president of this organization. Denise Colley. Prior to my becoming ACB secretary, um, I served both as the chair of the ACB Board of Publications and on the ACB Board of Directors. And in those capacities, I've had the opportunity to oversee all the ways in which ACB communicates, both internally and externally. And I believe that the ways in which we communicate with our members plays a crucial part in what, it, what keeps the organization a vital, healthy organization. 30 seconds. And I want to work to ensure those lines of communication are stronger and more transparent. I want to serve another term as your secretary because doing so has given me the opportunity of being able to communicate and, and document the actions and work of the ACB Board of Directors through the preparation of minutes and other documents. And I feel that I'm in a great position with my years of experience to keep ACB moving forward. And I would be honored to have your vote. Thank you. And on to Ray Campbell. Thank you, and thank you to the Board of Publications for this forum, but most importantly, thank you to each of you out there for taking the time, whether you listened, whether you asked a question, um, it's great. I've always said that our candidate statements are the resumes we put in front of you. The candidates forums, however many we have, are the job interview. And I hope that through this process, you have been thinking, thinking about the candidates that you want to hire to lead ACB over the next few seconds. years. I 
would be honored to be one of those candidates and really take advantage of the right to vote. For the first time, every ACB member is going to have the opportunity to vote, which is absolutely fantastic. And I hope that you will choose me as second vice president and grace me with one of your votes. Thank you very much, everyone, for your time and for your attention this evening. And finally, last but not least, Chris Bell. Good evening. Thank you all for being here on the on the call for this uh, lengthy forum. I'm asking for your vote. Ultimately, I believe that ACB will grow and thrive if and only if its members feel that they belong at ACB. And uh, that's one of the things that I would like to hope that I would like to help create is that sense of uh, authenticity and belonging and, and being welcomed. 30 seconds. And so I ask for your vote and thank you all for your attention. Have a nice evening. Thank you. And before I um, turn it back over to Katie to close us out, I just want to thank Natalie for your work. I want to thank uh, Katie for your uh, help and partnership. I want to thank all the candidates for your, for your responses. Um, and those of you out in the audience, you had some really interesting and good and thought-provoking questions. And thanks to everybody for listening um, tonight, wherever you might be. Um, Honored to be here, and I wish you all the best of luck, safety, and stay cool. And I'll turn it over to Katie. Well, Ron, I think you wrapped it up quite well. So um, just great to work with you tonight. Thanks to the candidates. Thanks to the audience, the members of ACB. And again, those who work behind the scenes to keep us up on the air on ACB radio and the other platforms as well. And thanks to Natalie, our facilitator. So um, with that, just a little over two hours, um, we will call the Board of Publications Candidates Forum for the 2021 conference complete. Thank you, everyone. Good job, everybody. Good night. Good night. Thank you. Good night. Thank you. Good night, everybody. My name is Chris Bell, and I'm running for a seat on the Board of Directors of the American Council of the Blind. The reason I'm running is simple. I've been a member of ACB for over 40 years and have done a lot of advocacy work. And I want to make sure that the work that I have done and that others have done can continue after older members like myself are gone. And therefore, I have proposed that ACB create an academy to train younger members in the subject areas which are so critical for ACB to lead in the future. I ask for your vote. Thank you. My name is Jeff Bishop, and I live in Kirkland, Washington, with my wife, Carrie, and my son, David. We've done a lot in this organization, and our future is very bright. However, we have a number of significant challenges that we're going to need to undertake in this organization to achieve our three to five year strategic plan. Partnering together, we can greatly achieve success for everyone. I would appreciate your vote at this year's annual convention. Thank you. I am Donna Brown, and I am seeking a seat on the Board of Directors of the American Council of the Blind. I want to work to bridge the gap between the ACB national leadership and our state and special interest affiliates. Working to create a mentoring program to develop new leaders is important to me, as well as creating programs to introduce ACB to blind and visually impaired youth. 
I hope I can count on your vote in July. Hello, my name is Ray Campbell, and I'm seeking the office of Second Vice President of the American Council of the Blind. Together, we have embraced and met the unprecedented challenges of the past two years, and I look forward to serving you over the next two years as we move forward together. Hello, my name is Denise Colley, and I'm seeking my second term for the Office of ACP Secretary. I currently serve as co-chair of the ACP Scholarship Committee, and I've also served as chair of the ACP Board of Publications and on the ACP Board of Directors. In these capacities, I've had the opportunity to oversee all the ways in which ACP communicates, both internally and externally. I believe that the ways in which ACB communicates with our members plays a crucial part in what keeps this vital organization going, and I want to work to ensure those lines of communication are stronger and more transparent. I would appreciate your vote. Thank you. Hi, I'm Zelda Gebhardt, a dedicated, hardworking volunteer with low vision. Roles as editor, vice president, and president of NDAB, and as director and first vice president of CCLVI has prepared me for leadership in ACB. Please vote for me to remain on the BOP. Hello, ACB. This is Deb Cook-Lewis. After serving you for five years on the Board of Publications, I am now hoping to serve you as your first vice president. No matter who you vote for, I hope you vote, and we'll see you at the convention. Hi, ACB. My name is Doug Powell, and I'm running for a second term on the Board of Directors. I promise to continue to model leadership qualities, mentor leadership in others, and advocate effectively at the national, state, and local levels. I'd very much appreciate your vote. Hi, I'm Penny Reader, and I'm popping in to ask you to vote for me. I am running for my second term on the Board of Publications. I think we've made some good progress in making ACB communications excellent in so many different ways because communications with ACB and the general public as well are very important. Please vote for me for the Board of Publications. I'm looking forward to serving you again. Thank you. Hey, Mark Reichert here, First Vice President of ACB, so of course I'd love your vote this summer. But the most important thing is that you do it, because it's only when you vote that ACB wins. So come on, baby, vote. Come to convention. Vote. You can do it. Hello, I'm Kenneth Simeon Sr., immediate past president of ACB of Texas. I am seeking a position on the ACB Board of Directors this year. I care about ACB, our membership, and the future of ACB. If elected, I will be sure to work with other ACB leaders to ensure that we continue to move forward. I would really appreciate your vote. Always remember, together, we win. Hi, I'm Connie Sims from South Dakota. I am president of the STAB Association. I am a J.P. Morgan Chase recipient in 2020. I am running for a board position. I believe that equity, diversity, and inclusion, that is really huge I have been on the voting task force. I am from a rural state. Everything that we do in the rural is totally different than the city or the metropolitan areas. I have low vision. We're a very diverse group. We use our tools differently. Hi, I'm Connie Sims. Hello, my name is Dan Spoon and I live in Orlando, Florida with my lovely wife, Leslie. 
And we have been honored to be the president of the American Council of the Blind for the last two years under really unprecedented circumstances. And we look forward to continuing the momentum and moving forward over the next two years. Thank you for your support. And I would look forward to your vote in the upcoming election. Together, we can continue to grow our ACB family. Thank you. Hello to my ACB family. This is David Trot Treasurer. I am asking your support for my re-election. Please put me on the team that's working for a brighter future for ACB. I look forward to meeting you all at the Candidates Forum. Friendly Fair Foraging. Everyone has a story to tell. It's the very reason why we rise each day ready to face the next day's challenge that comes. Whether advocating, striving to advance disability rights, or finding new ways to forge forward in the ever-growing communities that we live in. I am Cache Wells, and these are the reasons why I pursue a seat on the Board of Publications, where my passion and purpose is to engage, educate, and empower others to get involved with ACB.